and they told him and they told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart he said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared god nor respected man and there was a window in that city who kept coming to him and saying give me justice against my adversity for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, and yet this window keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he, de will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily neither nevertheless when the son of man comes he will find face on earth this is the word of the lord amen you guys can be seated um, i want to dismiss our school-age kids uh to the back um with uh, i see connor mcdonald back there i think he's teaching today so uh prayers and best wishes to you back there bud and so, um, that's good. Um, <laughs> it's a sister right there telling her sibling to shh. Uh, good morning. Uh, in case you don't know, my name is Jason, and I am one of the pastors here at Covenant, and I am thrilled to be here this morning uh, with you guys. Um, we have been for the past two months in the chapters of John 14 through 16. Um, some of the greatest chapters uh, in all of scripture really. This great picture of kind of Jesus' final words to his followers before he goes to the cross. And today we're going to wrap up these chapters. Um, and there's this, as you read, and I've read this a lot the past few weeks, especially this week, John 14 through 16. And there is these themes that come up throughout the chapters, right? You hear the words love a lot. The words abiding a lot. You see the picture of all three uh, of the Trinity a lot of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. You, you see this picture of unity all throughout these chapters, but there's really a central theme throughout these chapters, and it's the central theme of union. Of God inviting us into union with, as we just sang, the Trinity, the, the three-in-one God, inviting us back into perfect communion and union with them. And, and there is this key thing that Jesus says over and over in these chapters. He says this over and over, he says, Ask the Father in my name. He says it five or six times in these three chapters. Ask the Father in my name. 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 And you see this key practice to help us walk in union, and it's the practice of prayer. And everybody's like, oh, prayer. Because here's the thing. As a pastor, if I, if I pulled the room right now, the worst thing about us spiritually, almost everybody's going to say my prayer life, right? Well, how are you doing, bud? Well, my, my time in the Word's pretty good, but the prayer life is struggling, right? That most of us in this room, you can raise your hand if you want to, you don't have to. Um, but that is most of us in this room. And so I, I want to start today's time together with this question. 
Why is that? Why don't we pray? Most of us in this room have been Christians for a while. We would all affirm the scriptures as being perfect, inerrant, a gift from God. And prayer is literally all throughout scripture. We'd all agree with that. So the question is, why don't we pray? Why is that practice, you know, like a D for a lot of us? There's a few reasons. First, I think if we're honest, and that can be tough because we look foolish sometimes, we don't know how. We just, we don't know how to pray, and so we just don't pray. Like, we're not sure, we, we feel kind of silly, from, am I doing this right? So we just don't do it, right? Most of us don't do things that we don't know how to do. Like, I don't, like Luke over here builds tables every single week, right? You will never find Jason Wood building a table. I cannot do that, so I will not do that. I don't like looking stupid. I don't like it. That's most of us. Second, if we're honest, I'm going to get a little, little harder every time, sorry. Um, I don't know if we believe it works. I think we have a real, honest faith problem. Because if we believed it worked, we would do it more. Or we'd at least try to do it more. You know, it's like a diet, right? One doesn't work, you try another one, correct? We just keep trying and trying because we believe somehow, some way, it's going to work one day. There's a lack of faith. Uh, there really is. Third reason. Uh, we don't pray because we don't need to. We don't pray because we don't need to. Because we are self-sufficient Americans. And the truth is, Scripture is written many times by people in poverty to people in poverty in this context of real suffering and, and, and being poor. And so for us, much of Scripture, you, you read Matthew 6, right, verse 33, do not worry, do not be anxious, seek first God's kingdom, right? He was talking to people who had no idea where their next meal was coming from. This was an immediate worry for them. For us, many of us have fridges or freezers full of food, pantries full of food. And so for us, many times, we just don't need to pray. Like, God, we're good. I went to Dallas a couple weeks ago. You know, I've got a nice couch, a nice TV. I've got food. I've got a job. God, I've got a 401K. I just don't need to ask you for anything. And fourth, we just don't want to. We just don't want to. Prayer's hard. Prayer can be boring. Prayer is not easy. It's the antithesis of the way we're being discipled in the world. Where everything is easy. Everything is immediate. Everything is really big and loud and cool. And prayer is unseen and it's slow and it's hard and it's boring. And we just don't want to do it. We don't believe it works. We don't need it. And we don't want it. And so here's how I know this is true. Because these all come from my life. These all come from my life. So I'm writing this down this week, and I'm thinking about this, praying on this, examining my own heart. 
of asking in the Father's aim. What am I missing? And so as we study this text, I think there's four things, four elements about prayer that if we can glean from this, I believe it can transform the way we walk with Christ. Because here is the goal. The goal is union. Union with God. In Christ. In relationship with him. So, the first. The first element of prayer. This is kind of how we come to God in prayer. What, what is our posture as we come to God? First thing. We must pray like a child. We must pray like a child. Listen, this is not a posture of someone who has it all together, right? This is a bit humble. This is, Christ has come to me like a child. There is, in a sense, a bit of being undignified in this. And here's this, friends, praying like a child, coming to him like a child, I will tell you, is key. If we don't come this way, we're already off. We've already messed up, right? It's like buttoning your shirt. If you get one button incorrect, the whole thing is messed up, right? If we don't come to God in prayer like a child with nothing to offer, we're already off. This is, this is coming to him at the end of yourself. Think about it like this. It's like the plane is crashing, right? It's those kind of prayers as the plane is going down. When that plane's going down, you don't care anymore, do you? Like, you don't care about how you look, how you think, how you feel. You're just crying out to your Father to rescue you. It, it, it's, it's that base level. It's the kind of prayers you make when a kid is sick. The kind of prayers you make when you don't know what to do. The kind of prayers you make when you're at the end of yourself. These are broken prayers. But for many of us, if we're honest, we are just too together. We have it too much together to pray these kinds of prayers. We're way too dignified to pray these kinds of prayers. We're way too comfortable in our own skin to pray these kinds of prayers. We do not want to look foolish at all. So being childlike and crying out and asking and pleading, and hear this, looking foolish. The simple act of getting on our knees in childlike submission is just too much for us. We're just too refined, we're too religious, and we're too rich. I'm not trying to, trying to be mean this morning. I feel like I'm being kind of harsh this morning. I love you guys. I am right here walking with you in this. So, what prevents us from childlike prayers? It's pride. Childlike prayers, childlike faith, coming to him like, what, what prevents that is just quite simply pride. The appearance of looking like God, wanting to be like God, pretending to be like God. Listen, we want the credit. There's a real American spirit in us, isn't there? That we want to think of the idea. We want to make the idea happen. We want to fund the idea. And we want credit for the idea. That is the way we were taught. That is who is celebrated, right? Listen, uh, last year during the, during the pandemic, I watched the, um, um, what was it, the, the Jordan documentary thing, right? 
This is surprise you, Tracy. Um, and I love Michael Jordan as a player. I do. But basically, this entire document was about how great he was and how he self-willed himself. And so I played basketball back in the day, and I loved Michael Jordan. And I, knew this, and I followed him. And in a subtle way, I was discipled in that mindset that I am the source of what I need to do. No childlike faith. I'll do this myself. Like Michael Jordan, right? And we are all, in a subtle way, discipled in this culture to think this way. And if we start our life with God, our life coming to him in prayer with that kind of posture, we're already off because we must pray like a child. So three things we need. There's three things we need to pray like a child. Let's go to John 14, 13 real quick. And and I've already kind of said this, but we see this theme all throughout John 14 through 16. Verse 13, he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. John 16, 23. In that day you ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask in my name, ask in his name, in the name of Jesus. This is why we say that when we pray, that we pray in the name of of Jesus. It's in his name and by his name. Here's what I mean. So uh, last week, uh, my ice maker is not working in my refrigerator. And I'm not like Luke, I can't fix things. So I call Leighton and say, hey, Leighton, I need a guy. Because Leighton has all kinds of guys, by the way. If you need a guy, Leighton is your guy. And so Leighton's my guy guy. And, and so I, I call Leighton, he, of course, he has a guy, gives me his name, number. I call the guy. I don't get called back for a week. I call late. It's like, I need another guy late. This guy's not calling me back. Five minutes later, the guy calls me back because the main guy, Leighton, called him. What a good friend Leighton is, right, guys? He called the guy for me, and then I had access. If I, I didn't say in my, in my message, hey, I'm calling because Leighton gave me. I called my own name, and my name had no credit with this guy. But Leighton. I'm coming to Christ this morning, so just feel really good about that. (laughs) But in Layton's name, I had access. This is how and why we pray in the name of Jesus. So that means three things for us. First, it means we must be dependent on his works. We're dependent on his works. There's nothing we can do to get access to the Father except through it's John 14, right? John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the access point. 
And what's funny, and I do this too, many times, don't y'all do this? We don't come to God in prayer because our works, our life is not adding up. As if our works, our life, our obedience got us access to the Father in the first place. It wasn't our works. It's the works of Jesus. In the name of Jesus that we come to the Father. So we, to come in childlike faith, in childlike prayer, we must be dependent on his works. You see, a disciple is invited to come to the Father in the name of Jesus with the promise of enjoying the same access to God that Jesus enjoys. This is almost like uh, my wife had a wedding last night, right? Of somebody that she works with that I have, that I don't know them at all. If I went to that wedding without Tracy, that'd be super weird, wouldn't it? Like, who is this person right here? But through Tracy, I had access. And hear this, through Jesus, hear this, through Jesus, we have the greatest access in the world to our Father in heaven. But to come through him, we're fully dependent on him. We are the child with nothing to offer. We just come to him and say, through you, I ask this. That's a humble posture, friends. Listen, there's no hiding, no pretending, no projecting. There is, I am coming through Christ. I am dependent on Christ. Christ, help me. And you ask and you pray and you talk. But hear this. The world, every message is against childlike faith. It's against coming to God like a child. It's against praying like a child. What does the world do? The world puffs up, doesn't it? If you don't believe that it does, just go, there's Facebook.com. Just go check it out for a minute. Or this new thing called Snapchat. All these things are just crazy to me. I'm still kind of a Facebook and a Twitter guy. I'm, I'm a Twitter cool. And so uh, I am not Snapchat cool or Instagram cool. But... Anyways, I digress. But if you want to see how the world puffs up, just go to social media. Just for like five minutes. And you'll have this desire to puff yourself up as well, to be seen, to be heard, to be noticed, to be valued. And hear this, friends. We are being discipled in this ocean. I promise you, we are getting wet. Does that make sense? The current of this world is pushing us a certain way, against childlike faith. This is why this second point of how we pray like a child is so important. We have to be rooted in his words. Go to John 15, 7. You know, we love John 15 here at Covenant Church. We love the vine. We love to abide in this great picture here. As he's talking about kind of how we abide in him, he says, if you remain in me and my words... My words, his words, remain in you, then ask whatever you want. What Jesus is saying, if, if the words that I have taught you, that I've embodied for you, that I'm going to give my life to prove to you, if these words remain in you, which means these words are the central guiding factor of your life. If that is settled for you, ask whatever you want. Because these words are secure. These words lead to the correct way. So if I know these words are central to you, you've come to me with childlike faith and childlike prayer, 
Ask what you want because you are settled and you are right. With what his words taking root really means is two things. First, this is us really trusting in his promises. Trusting in his promises. Now, this means trusting in his promises even when it's not easy. Because we're dependent upon him. Like a child, we come to him and we're fully dependent on him. So we trust in his promises. Second, we rehearse his words. Go to Psalm 1. Once again, it's the greatest hits today, guys. Psalms 1. Little Bible drill going on right now, guys. Who's going to win? I did. Because um, I don't know where you're at, so I win. Um, Psalm 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of the mockers. This is the world, right? This is the world that we're being discipled in, the current of the world, telling us it's all about us and puffs us up. Verse 2. Instead... His delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. And if you study that word meditate in that passage, it really means he repeats those words day and night. He rehearses those words day and night. I'll never forget. um, So we did this thing back at a youth group called Judgment House. And uh, I know, I know, guys, I'm dating myself right now. And um, I played, uh, in a phenomenal way, uh, this dying cancer patient. And, um, and uh, <laughs> every Friday night, 8 o'clock, you'd find me at Calvary up there on the bed. I had the best job. I just laid down the entire night. And so, and I had like four or five lines. But listen, at a judgment house, you don't want to mess that up. And so, listen, guys, I knew my words. Backwards, forwards, I was going to nail my death scene. Because I rehearse those things over and over and over. And the the truth is, with God's word, I think we're really good at studying God's word. As a church, I really, we have people in this church who love to study God's word. And I will tell you, I thank God every day for that culture at our church. That is a good and a right thing. But there is, in a sense, a subtle difference between studying God's word, the way we would study a history book, and meditating and rehearsing the words of God on our heart throughout the day. One is studious, the second is worshipful. It's worship that leads to obedience. So there has to be this way that for us to walk in this childlike faith and childlike prayer that we're rooted in God's word through rehearsing his words. And what this does, as we're dependent on his works, rooted in his words, this helps shapes what we ask. It refines what we ask. And third, our final point to pray like a child. We must be surrendered to his will. To ask something in the name of Jesus is best understood to mean to ask something for Jesus' sake. It's to ask something to, for his sake, for his name. And his name speaks to me literally not being in my name, right? 
The picture of this really is the prayer in the garden, isn't it? It's, it's him saying, Father, please take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus teaches his followers to pray by saying this exact thing. Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. But I will tell you this. It's really hard to surrender when there is ongoing, unconfessed sin. Because, listen, we are naturally, many times, we become harder and harder and not softer and softer. And ongoing, unconfessed sin just makes us hard and distant and makes our will really strong. So if we're not going to, in a sense, because remember, we're all in this room dependent upon his works to have access to the Father. So there's nobody in this room that has their stuff together. But if we're not going to be honest and, and confess where there's sins, where there's struggles, our will is going to be our own, and it's not going to surrender. But we don't just pray childlike prayers. Yes, number one, we pray like a child, but there's also a great reward. Like we come to him with this posture of humility like a child. But second point, we pray for greater things. Church, we pray for greater things. You see throughout this passage, throughout even as Jesus talks about his followers doing greater works than him. That there is this promise of greater things through his name. Well, what prevents us from praying for greater things? Well, honestly, it's the lesser things, right? What prevents us from really praying for greater things are the lesser things. We're lulled to sleep by the lesser things of this world. Here's how I know this. Is uh, yesterday morning I was studying for this sermon and um, I was so fired up. And then I, I stayed up till 1230 last night watching LSU be terrible. And, and I was, as I was laying in bed last night, I was like, man, I just spent four and a half hours just being distracted when I, before that, was so just ready to preach. And now I'm worn out, a little ticked off at that, the whole thing. And the enemy, listen, just lulls us to sleep by lesser, honestly, really dumb things, right? And here's the truth. We all have our dumb things. Not just me, not just you. We all have our lessers. But here's the thing. Here's the secret. The greatest thing we get in prayer is more of God. Luke shared this quote with me a few, a few weeks ago. The goal of prayer is really just more prayer. Because the goal of prayer is further deepening our relationship with him. That is the greater thing. The greater thing is him. Three ways we pray for greater things. First, number one, we pray for a greater glory. John 14, 13. Let's go back. Whatever you ask in my name, right? That's as a child, we come to him. I will do it so that 
the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's not for our glory. Hear this. Don't be okay with a lesser glory. Don't be okay with a lesser glory. Here's what I mean. There is this sense that we all know that we are made for something more than ourselves, right? I I remember my lifetime. This is most clear at 9-11. You know, we had this a few weeks ago. I watched all the little documentaries about 9-11, and it was just a great reminder of just what we went through and just people being heroic, right? But there is something during that time about young men and women literally signing up to go defend our country because they recognized there was a greater glory than just their own. There was this sense through patriotism, they were caught up into something greater than just themselves because we are made in the image of God and we are made, church, hear this, for greater glories. So don't settle for a lesser glory. The glory of your your job, the glory of a nice home, the glory of a perfect family, those are all good things, but they're still lesser glories. There's a greater glory, and that's the glory of the Father, to give your life, to let your life be caught up in his kingdom plans is a much greater glory, a much greater glory. We bring glory primarily to the Father with our obedience in carrying out the Father's will. It's playing our part in God's redemptive plan, right? It's not simply prayers that come to God like a genie in the bottle, right? It's the prayer for the greater things, for the greater glory. And it's this prayer for a greater glory that leads to the second way we pray for greater things, which is we pray For greater works. We pray for greater works to support this great glory. What happens is you're aligning yourself in this redemptive plan on the redemptive edge where you can't do this anymore. Right? We just had uh, Sarah Touch from the Hub come train us for an hour and a half this morning. And if you're to ask her about her giving her life up for the poor in our community, she simply can't do it. She can't, she's living for a greater glory, which means she has to ask for greater works. Go back to uh, John 14. Go to verse 12, though, before verse 13. Because this context gives us a clue into what Jesus is saying here. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these Because I am going to the Father. Then he says this right here. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. The context here is to ask for these greater works to support this greater glory. The success of his disciples' mission was to be intimately connected with prayer in the name of Jesus. That was their only hope for success. This is Ephesians, right? That God would do far more than we can even imagine. That is the hope of the church. But there's things that God does that we can't even imagine. This is the the prayer in Acts 4, right? Where uh, 
Peter and them are they're arrested and they come back and they're praying that God, they were just arrested, but they pray to God to give them greater boldness. It's these prayers for greater things. Greater glory requires greater works which we cannot do. Greater glory requires greater works which we cannot do. If you ask anybody that's on the mission field, right, overseas, uh, to the poor, just doing this work on the ground, they will tell you, I cannot do this. My only hope is to be in Christ crying out to him, correct? It's true for us as well. But I want to give you one warning. Greater things are not always the big, miraculous, phenomenal things. Listen, God does still do miraculous things. Pray the bold prayers for somebody's healing. Pray those things. But listen, many times the the greater things are the slow, are the unseen, and it's persevering prayers. Many times that's how we pray for the greater things, that we're simply praying for perseverance in life and in prayer. Let's keep going. Let's not be okay with lesser works. Third way that we pray for greater things. Go to John 16 with me, please. Verse 23. We're praying for a greater glory. We're praying for greater works. And we see here in verse 23 what else we're praying for. Truly I tell you, once again, anything you ask in the Father's, in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, and here is just the beautiful point, so that your joy may be complete. Friends, we are praying for greater joy. Here's the thing. When we pray for the greater glory, we pray for the greater works, what happens is we receive a greater joy. Because a life poured, a life surrendered, and a life poured out for God's glory and God's kingdom is a life full of joy. Now, I will say this it's not a life free of pain. It's not a life free of pain, it's a life full of joy. Listen, the Christian life is lived with heartbroken joy. The Christian life is lived with heartbroken joy. Here's what I mean. As we walk intimately with the Father, we are made more aware of the darkness and our heart breaks more for the darkness in our world. That's just the reality of this. We just... Because we love people more, we see and feel the hurts more. There is no way around that. But I will tell you, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our lamenting at the injustices of this world done against me and against others, in this lamenting, at the end of this, there is God. And where there is God and his presence, there is a fullness of joy. Because, see, this greater joy, it's rooted in greater union with God. 
It's in this union that our joy cannot be shaken. It is what the psalmist says, if God is with me, whom shall I fear, right? We have this unshakable, unbreakable joy in the midst of really hard things in this world. Hear this, friends. That is the way of the Christian life. That was the way of Jesus, right? The beautiful story of him raising Lazarus from the dead. He goes there. He sees his friend. He sees Mary and Martha. And Jesus weeps. Listen, friends. Jesus knew he was going to raise him from the dead, but yet Jesus took the time to weep. It's this great picture to us. Yes, we know the joy of what is coming. But as Christians, we also sit in the puddle and we recognize and we lament at the brokenness of this world. But we don't mourn as those with no hope because we have a greater joy. So we're to pray like a child. We come to him in his name like a child and we pray for greater things. But we start this question of why don't we pray? And I do believe many of us just don't know how. But I want to tell you a secret. Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. You never see some passage in the gospel where he says, okay, Peter, you want to do an introduction first, then go to your body, do some really fun stories, throw a poem in there. If you can sing at the end, you'll bring them home, buddy. He never does that. I'm going to sing at the end, by the way. I don't know if you'll do that or not. Um, sorry. Um, he never tells them how to preach, but he does teach them how to pray. Go to Matthew 6. And listen, you have probably all heard this before. This is on TVs, movies. This is in the culture, right? But I want to remind us, these are the words of Jesus, where he had his followers looking to him, and he says, he literally says, pray then like this. And I think many times we feel like we need uh, great theological words. We need great points to make. And Jesus literally says in verse 5, Whenever you pray, don't pray like those guys who puff themselves up, who want to be seen, who make a show of prayer. He says, no, get in your closet. Become unseen. And if we're unseen, I will say this. If it's just us and God, it's okay to not know it all, isn't it? Can we just try and look a little foolish when it's just us? But Jesus says, pray then like this. And friends, I will tell you, uh, this morning I was in our little office about 6 a.m. this morning. And normally um, I finish, I like make my fine touches of my sermon uh, early Sunday mornings to kind of like just get it out fresh on my heart. And I was at my computer typing and I, and I just really felt God impress on me to just stop. Like, Jason, you know, your words are good. That's great. Just push it away for a minute. And he just directed me um, to my little couch over there um, to pray, to, to pray for you today, to pray for us today, this prayer right here. Um, I pray this prayer every single day of my life. And here's why. I, I, I promise you, I am not a complex person. I'm not. There is much better thinkers and teachers in this room than me. 
So for me, I gravitate towards the clear and the simple. And friends, this, this prayer is as robust and clear and simple. It's just so beautiful that our Savior gave us this gift of how to pray. And, and I prayed this prayer over us this morning, and I pray this over us all the time that we would get what God says in these prayers. And he says this right here. He says, our Father, stop right there. Listen, I can't do two sermons today. I want to. But we come and we say our Father. How do we come? Through who? Through Jesus. Through Jesus, we call him Father. Friends, you were the orphan. Friends, hear this today. You were the orphan. I was the orphan. We were hopeless. We weren't the cute orphan either. We weren't the orphan they put on their website, right? We're the back catalog orphans that nobody wants. If you knew the things I have done and thought, you would have nothing to do with this orphan. But this orphan can call the creator of the universe Father. And we come to him in prayer like that. And we can, friends, hear this. We can stop right there, couldn't we? And that would be our day. But we come to him and we say, Dad. We say, Father. But our Father's different. Our earthly Father, we know of. I'm an earthly Father. I know all my mistakes. But our Father, where's he at? He's in heaven. Hallowed be your name. So, friends, here's what we're being taught here. When we come to the Father, the first thing we do is we worship the Father. We worship the Father. We thank the Father that we were adopted. We let our minds be drifted as we sang holy, holy, holy today and start using words. I have no idea what those words mean. It's the word wert. And so I see all these things, right? about God, things that are above me. God is bigger than me. We should be caught up into this God as we just come to him in prayer and say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we worship him with nothing else, no lights, no music, nothing. Just God and his goodness. We say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We worship the Father's character. Second, we keep going. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We surrender to the Father's kingdom. We surrender to the Father's. We say, today, it's not my day, it is your day. Childlike faith, we surrender to his will. Before we ask a thing, we worship and surrender. We worship and surrender. And then... And then we ask for the greater things, right? He says here, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, provide for us today what we need. And what I always say, we should always say, God, what we need the most is you. You are our daily bread. We need your presence. So we ask for the Father's provision Next, give us and forgive us of our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. We seek the Father's forgiveness. This is that habitual time that we confess our sins before God. Say, God, I have blown it. Forgive me. Many times the reason we won't forgive is because we have not received forgiveness first from our Father. 
So we, for some reason, think we have something to offer and show grace to nobody. But if we receive grace every day, I promise you, friends, it makes it easier to show grace to others. Let's keep going. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We pray for the Father's protection. We are in a spiritual battle. And it was this line today that I prayed over us the most. To deliver us from the evil one. Because I will tell you, there is a spiritual attack on religious people just like us to prevent us from coming to him like a child and praying for the greater things and practicing prayer. There is an all-out assault on us. An all-out assault. That's a spiritual attack. So that is what I'm praying for. Pray like a child. Pray for greater things. Pray like Jesus. That's the three things I want to put upon us today. To pray in the name of Jesus for greater things and to pray as he taught us how to pray. So from there, what do we do? Like, what do we actually need to do in response to this? First thing, we need to repent. And I really mean repent. And there's two things I wrote down. We need to repent of our pride. Friends, at some point, we have to be okay with not being, with not having it all together. We have to. The more pretending, the more hiding, the more whatever we do is just rotting our souls and it's keeping us away from the greater things. So we have to repent of our pride and repent of being okay with lesser things, being lulled to sleep of lesser things. We have to repent of that, that we're giving more time to these things and less time to prayer. Listen, friends, God is trying to wake us up. He is trying to wake us up. Second thing, so we repent. Second, we realign. Friends, we must realign our life around prayer. That I, I, our life as followers of Jesus should revolve and be aligned around him and being with him. Spending time with him. So, so here is my encouragement. Set an alarm. I, I just want to, I want us to start practicing something even this week. So we sent a thing out this past week that we as a church, every day at 3.07, there's an alarm on my phone that we're praying over the words of Ezekiel 37 to pray that dry bones come alive. So I would encourage you and right now to get your phone out, play on your phone at church, congratulations, uh, to get your phone out and set an alarm for 307. And, and join me, join us for us to pray, to go to our Father. We're, we're asking for greater things, right? That he would bring dry bones to come alive. But there's more. I'm selling more today. 
I want you to set two alarms. We just read 6, 9 through 13, right? And I want to challenge you to pray the Lord's Prayer every day from 6.09 to 6.13 a.m. Because here's the truth. If you do p.m. at that time, it's never going to happen, is it? I want to just challenge you. 6.09 to 6.13. Remind us to pray how you taught us to pray and to pray. And you're like, well, that's two alarms, Jason. Well, I know it's two alarms. I'm sorry for that. I really am. But, but I, I just... Uh, All I can say is I just want more for us. I want more for me, more for my family, want more for our body. Friends, we have access to the Father and to the greater things. Not greater riches, those go away, right? But greater joy in Him. Greater works that glorify His name. We have access to that, and we're just, we're okay with the lesser. And I'm just praying for more. Now maybe... Maybe you're here, and you have just never truly put your faith in him. You have depended upon your works, uh, your righteousness, or, or, or what you know, or you might have said a thing years ago, but you've never truly given your life to him and, and surrendered to him and committed your life to follow him. And I would encourage you, today is the day. Today is the day to surrender and put your faith in him and to come to him. So we're going to take communion in a moment, but we can't preach on prayer and not practice praying today. So this is my encouragement. This entire room is open to us as an altar. Uh, your chairs, we have a prayer team in the back if you need prayer, if you want to confess sin today, if you want to talk to somebody about, about your faith today, they'll be in the back. Maybe your chair is your altar today. Maybe your spouse or your kids or, or somebody in this room, you need to pray with them. But here's what I would encourage us to do is pray. It's like really pray to really humble ourselves and talk to God. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, as we take a few moments right now, even in this moment, to practice prayer. Father, will you move in hearts and let us take a step today? Take a step to where we might even be uncomfortable to ask you certain things or have a certain posture or, or just to be with you. But Lord, help us to start today. Before we even move to communion today, let's just stop for a few moments and just talk to you, to cry out to you, to come like a child and talk to our Father. So Lord, I ask you to just give us a few moments, a few minutes here where we simply do work with you. We love you, Jesus, and please bless these few minutes. I praise your name. Amen. Thank you.